Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mountain Ground Podcast. And continuing with the theme of uh, bringing really inspirational people onto the podcast, in the house this evening we have Alex Shapiro, very, very uh, just inspirational photographer and videographer. And he's worked quite a bit with Gegrond before. So, you know, Peter said, let's let's get him on board. And I looked through his Instagram and wow, it is, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like there's a photo of a beautiful owl there that just like really just caught myself, caught me immediately. Anyway, we have Nicolette and Peter and myself, and we will just be chatting to Alex. And hopefully we can get some valuable tips from him, just bringing, you know, adventure into our daily lives. And obviously our big bond is coffee. So before I, as usual, talk too much, I'm going to hand over to Alex and he's going to just give us a bit of a lowdown on, uh, you know, what inspires him, what, why does he do what he does? So Alex, over to you. Well, first of all, hi, I'm Alex. I uh, happen to drink a lot of coffee, a lot of Gefron coffee. I'm uh, oddly in this absolute addiction to their decaffeinated coffee at the moment. I don't know what it is about the taste, but I'm I'm hooked. It's it's a problem. But yeah, it's a good problem. It's a good problem. Yeah. Oh man, guys, like I can't even tell you, like I just ran out yesterday and my, I, it's, it's as if it, 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 you know, when like you, you've lost like your favorite pair of socks, it's, <laughs> it's worse than that. It's as if my camera has disappeared. I don't, like it's, yeah, it's, it's a problem, but, uh, I'm, I'm here and I, and I love coffee. How are you guys today? Well caffeinated, luckily. So, uh, we have different false first of all problems to be dealing with. I see <laughs> at least at least this and you have power so you know I know it's a it's a sore topic but you know it might, does make you appreciate your day a bit more when evening sh falls and uh, you still can keep the lights on. <laughs> I was uh, I was chatting to someone today saying that it's you, you know you're South African when you have those shiny silver hot kettles on a gas stove. That's, that's when you know you, you're officially a Southern African, like you've made it. Pierre, <laughs> uh, you and Nicolette, you just came back from an epic run there at Four Peaks, taking taking the top spots. Um, Nicolette, just for everyone's interest, she, she took the top spot as the ladies winner of the Four Peaks this weekend. And Pierre was close on uh, uh, Tabang's heels with a with a eventually fourth place but uh not too far off from from a podium there so well done to you two um keeping the mountain abandoned flag flying high at these events oh thanks peter yeah it, it's nice to to go out and although we do a lot of a lot of guiding um and working with other runners and athletes sometimes it's still nice to just go out and uh you know, by yourself, enjoy a mountain run at your own pace. So yeah, we had a great time. Um, the trails out there, really beautiful and a tough 24k with about 1,300 meters of climbing. And yeah, then the next day we headed to Golden Gate and did a bit of a run there, the Ribok Trail. And yeah, very special. We actually lived in that area for a year. So always good to to go back and just experience those environments again and recognize all the the wildlife and the flowers and things that you're so familiar with. Alex, have you been in that area and shot a few photos uh, there in Clarence area? Um, 
I have. I have. I actually. So it's it's the the joke that I have is that one of my most well known photos is from that area, and it was shot with my phone. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. Um, so it's it's at Cathedral Cave. I don't know if you guys have been been to it yet. Yeah, that that big overhang with the bald ibis and it's yeah the big waterfall. Yeah, it's beautiful. So it, it's very weird because obviously people. I mean, because you have to swim to it, people can't normally take gear. And at that point, um, the phone that I had was, it was waterproof. So I was like, well, <laughs> I'm going to send it. And already, like, I'm not the biggest fan of cold water. So it was like, it was commitment, not only to my wife, but for, for the shot. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's got earphones on, so she can't hear me say that. But so, we, uh, yeah, like I swam across and climbed up like the ladder and everything and with literally just like my like picture this like head bobbing up and down with no glasses on i can't see and my like phone in the air and then yeah i took it with the phone but uh, we've explored a lot of parents i've done a lot of shoots that side um we've got family out that end so it's the, probably it's definitely one of my most favorite parts of the country um yeah i'd say top in the top 10 of favorite parts of south africa mm -hmm. And is Alice, is that how things like have you always been the outdoorsy type of guy, or is it something that you developed with, you know, as you progressed through life? Um, like how did all this start out for you? Um, sure. So it's it's actually quite interesting. So I've always grown up with like I grew up in a cycling family. Um, my family always cycled. Uh, we outdoors. I always like we. I think the times that when I was a kid, we did come to the bush. I always loved being outdoors. Like I always enjoyed it, but my family is not very outdoorsy. So it was a, uh, it was never fun going outside with them. So I just kind of like out of love with the outdoors. They know, they know. Like my 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 dad will be like, because my dad's like an avid trail runner and like an ad like. He's hectic. He does like these swim run things at the moment where he's like, yo, I just bombed a 30K run today. I'm like, oh, that's cool. What are you doing? He's like, no, I'm just, you know, it was, it was a chilled run. I'm like, oh, okay. So he claims to be an outdoorsman, but he's like, hey, dad, can you help me set up a tent? He's like, what's a tent? Like that's, that's, and it's not even a joke. So, and my mom hates doing dishes camping. So she just doesn't. Um, so yeah, like I ended up, I ended up cycling. I'd, I'd BMXed a freestyle BMX for quite a number of years. So a lot of my time, I mean, I was in the sun all the time, but I wouldn't necessarily call it outdoors. Um, and then I just got to a point where I was like, I, I enjoy this and I'm not doing it. Why, why not? And from there, it just kind of like started, I just started putting myself in very, uh, curious positions to make sure that I was either outdoors or experiencing something new, like, uh, if I could think of like one, one example was we were on a shoot, uh, in wilderness and it had just snowed on the mountain. So the water coming through the rivers was like, so it was freezing. I mean, some areas it was like almost frozen and, uh, like a chop, I didn't hear them say, please put on an additional wetsuit or like part of a wetsuit. So we had to clove down and yeah, I ended up with like, I think it was like pre-hypothermic or something like that or whatever it's called. I'm not too sure the, the technical terms, but uh, we were halfway and the guide looked and he's like, this guy needs to get out now. 
So yeah. Yeah, but I just I, I love pushing myself and I love I just love how it's I I've grown to love how being out there with very little makes you feel like you actually have a lot and you don't need much. You just need to be outside and it's I love it. Yeah, Alex, that ties in beautifully with like one of my mottos in life almost is the reason I keep on wanting to do these or whatever we do in the Berg, etc. It's just like I love doing as much as I can with as little as possible. And then for that, it's kind of like a bit inspired by Yvonne Chouinard, like the Patagonia and Black Diamond, where he said, you know, the more you know, the less you need. So it's always a process of educating yourself further, getting better, becoming more experienced. And, you know, for me in the Drakensberg, that means I can go lighter, I can go faster, or I can stay out for longer with less. And, you know, I guess for a photographer, it means you don't have to carry 10 lenses because you can actually compose a really good shot with what you have. And I think that is kind of missed in our society at the moment. And it's really fun just to talk to, you know, someone that almost in a complete different industry as I am, but we both, you know, we all love nature and we love being outdoors, but we also realize we need to, you know, make the most of it and like actually love and live that life. So no, it's so nice to hear you say that. Like it's, yeah, it's really cool, man. <laughs> so it's actually really funny because like, like you say that the more you, the more you know, the less you need. Like when I started out, I used to carry bags of gear. I mean, I still take a lot of gear because like I expect, like there's a certain there gets to a certain point where they act like if you want a certain quality you need to have certain things but like refining it every day is amazing but uh, to the stories i, I did a kind of like basically there's a company up here in Pittsburgh it's called local trails that they they super inspired by the way patagonia tells stories interesting that you mentioned you even Chenard. um and they their whole philosophy is also kind of like take less um and they do primitive trails through some pretty cool like wilderness areas um but the one specific area you you basically boulder um and like have to go through like rivers and stuff and we we were unsupported for i think four days so everything that you have is on your back and during there's no cell reception there's no electricity there's nothing and it that project made me realize like I literally looked at myself at the end of the project. I was like, dude, you used one body and one lens the whole trip. Why did you have everything else? Like, it was it was like dumb. Like, I, I didn't need anything more. Um, and it's just like, it's been that, it's actually been like a continuous journey of that. Like, just like, you know, you're going to go bomb through the mountains. Why do you need all the things? Like, do you need water? Well, if there's a river, no. Like, you know, like, you'll be fine. You know, like, I, I don't know. I just, Yeah. Well, that's, that's very, that's very true. And that's kind of the ethos of, I guess, mountain abandon. And when we do go in the mountains, like, you know, normal Grand Traverse hike, which is say 210 Ks across the Drakensberg escarpment and normal guiding companies or normal, I guess, the standard is to do it 12 to 14 days. But the logistics behind that is ridiculous. I'm talking like three different um, resupplies. And, you know, it's people coming up, bringing you things and taking your stuff down. And it just, it's such a schlep actually. And we've done it for people in like six days where, yeah, you have to walk a bit more per day, but you just carry what you need and you just become very specific about, I always go like when you're fast packing, the luxury is your freedom of choice of your pace. You know, it's not 
little fold up chairs or stuff like that that you want to carry with, you know, just sit on a rock or sit on the grass. Um, and I've actually had a, me and Nicolette did an overnight hike for a family in the Berg and they've done all those because they also live in Hootspreit and they've done uh, those primitive trails and always tell us about how they sleep out under the stars and all that stuff. But obviously here we were mid, uh, mid winter up on the Berg and the wind was probably like 50 kilometers an hour. Like I thought tents were going to rip up that night. But to see them experience that and uh, also going, oh, we packed way too much because usually, you know, you don't climb four, five, six hundred meters up. And, um, you know, they just walk then easily. Like this time they just said, I packed too much food. Like, you know, lighter packs would have been so much better. But it's so nice to chat to people out there and connect and kind of realize, like, you know, we don't need all these things, all this excess. So, no, it's always nice. They were very grateful for the two sleeping bags they had as opposed to their no sleeping bags on their primitive trails. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think people, like, I, I know it, it's funny because people often get hiking or, like, you know, packing through the Drakensberg. They get it mixed with, like, a primitive trail. Like, a primitive trail is a saunter. You know, like, there's, you're just kind of walking around to see the little things and just being kind of in the environment. Whereas I feel, there is definitely a lot more sweat equity that you need for a uh, Hawkins bird. But uh, I mean, I, I think it's amazing. Yeah, it all also differs. I always tell people it's all about your objective. You know, in summertime, me and Nicolette love going up to, you know, Nicolette then slogs the camera and her macro lens that weighs about six tons. And, you know, everything comes out, but that's the objective. The objective is not distance or time out. It's literally you know, taking photos of like wild orchids for us up there is like, it's, it's a really special thing. Stop it. That's um, stop it. That's just, that's just cheating. And you're teasing us now. Stop it. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's why I actually want Nicolette to chat a bit more to you about this, because I guess that's at the end of the day, what I see this podcast should be is we need to be able to provide value to listeners, but also through that you know, gain information ourselves. And that's why we decided let's bring some people onto the podcast that's really knowledgeable and just, you know, experts in their field. And like Nicolette does love taking photos and I think she yeah, composes a really good shot. So no, you guys must uh, share a bit of information. And through that, I guess the, the listeners will, will learn a lot. So um, yeah, Nicolette, tell us about uh, our Christmas last year when we went to Yellowwood Cave and then up to Ready Pass with the in the wind were you trying to take the photos of the orchids there <laughs> no look I, I really don't know much about photography i think my my skill maybe stops at composing and i shot and finding a, a good orchid subject but as for the technicalities of uh, the gear we own i am way way under skilled i don't think i know 10 percent of how it functions although i am very privileged to have a nice uh, macro lens so yeah, I don't know what, Alex, maybe you could advise for someone like myself who just really loves photography. I don't want it to be a profession, definitely not at this stage, but just as a hobby. Should you look at furthering your education with photography courses or is experience in the field more valuable? Um, where, Like, where's your money best spent? I mean, you know, not a a very tight budget but obviously everything in photography is not cheap but like how does one go about furthering your abilities as a photographer 
probably a very count count. Uh, there, there's going to be a lot of people angry with this advice, but what I would say is go out and shoot, and then Google the questions that you have. So, like for example, macro photography. Um, how to like how simple question? How to shoot better macro, and then from there you'll see a whole bunch of answers. And if those don't answer the question, just find a way to to narrow down or um word I'm looking for. But uh uh like you know like when you know like Google search, like sometimes you you need the right keywords effectively. And in uh -huh. that journey, that it's that journey itself will educate you more than any course can. Because I mean I can tell you everything till you're black and blue. But until you have the question and you need the answer, whatever I tell you is not going to stick. Like, you know, I, I get a question from a lot of like photographers for, for like cinematography. And I'm like, cool. Well, you know, that exposure triangle that you, you learned, uh, you know, you got to throw that out the window because it doesn't exist in, in film, you know, like, so now it's like, oh, but they never hear that because it's not them actively pursuing. Why do my shots look terrible? Um, so it's the same with like photography. It's 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 literally like even it's yo. Know, I, I joke with wildlife photography because wildlife photography is probably the one one area of photography that your gear really does matter. Like the more expensive gear you have, the chances of you getting a better shot are much higher. Again, if you have more money, you can go on a safari to guarantee seeing something incredible to shoot so it's, i know it's people hate me for saying this but it's the truth like I, i've got a photo i'm actually staring at it right now i've got a photo of this line if i had to pay to take this photo it probably would have cost me just short of 50 grand you know and if, if i didn't have a living, you know is that 160,000 rand you know like yeah of course you're going to get a good photo because it's it's like i don't know it's yeah anyways but it's for everything else it's just go find the answers and also a lot of it nowadays is very post-production because your camera does a lot um, and is that yeah, and Alex, is that, is that how you started off in the photography, videography scene? Because, um, you know, talking about uh, having changed your approach to, you know, having less gear, you've obviously dropped your previous profession, which wasn't BMX biking. You actually, from our previous discussions, you had a different career path. Um, and how did you then start off, off to make that switch between your previous career and maybe just give us a background what that was and then move into to photography and doing what you're doing at the moment? Um, so my previous career was, there was, okay, there was a stage in my life where I rode BMX professionally, um, like semi-professionally, and I had a construction company, but it's very different to what I'm doing now. Um, but because of the BMX, I was exposed to cameras, but I never... I never picked one up. Like I would fiddle with everyone else's. Like I'd pick it up and take a photo and people were like, oh, you got a good eye. And then I would leave it at that. Um, and then I ended up in, because of the construction, I marketed really well and ended up consulting marketing and subsequently ended up going to a point where like I actually wanted to travel. Um, that was that me realizing like, I this is what I want to do. Why am I 
wasting my life not doing it. Um, so I was like, well, there's, I don't really know how I could get paid to travel. So then I picked up a camera and I was like, oh, okay, cool. This is, this is a way that I could travel the world and yeah, work. So I started vlogging, did a, a daily vlog. Don't ever do that. It's not fun. Um, I, I, as a, as a, as a, yeah, as a creative, I, I actually, it's interesting because I started vlogging and then I went to an internet, um, with a friend of mine that subsequently passed away a little while ago, but yeah, it, I just fell in love with it. I, I just, I, I cannot explain what clicked in my head, but I took the, my first portrait and I was like, dang, this is, this is, this is amazing. Like, you know, when you just, you know, when you get in like a good run and you're just in like a good flow and it's just, there's nothing can happen. You're just like, it's just the best time. I I feel like that all the time with the camera. I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, I'm just in love. And then I started traveling with it and that forced me to keep light because you can't travel with a lot. And at that time with the shipping careers and stuff financially, I, was, I literally just jumped ship. So it wasn't like... Uh, I, this is like a series of things in my life where I just kind of like jump into things. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, peace out. No plan B. Um, but yeah, I guess that's what happened. I started traveling and from there, it just it took off. And now it's been, I think, five or six years. This COVID year counts as a year. I don't know. But yeah, it's been six years. Of... It counts as about five years. So you're yeah. a decade into it already. Cool, cool. So technically, I'm actually only just turning 30 now, right? Because, you know, COVID doesn't count. <laughs> oh, no. um, but yeah, so it's just, I started late in life, but it was, for me, it was like, I, I have a pineapple on my arm and kind of run around with a pineapple and most people know me for that because it was a crusade against the mundane like that's what it, it for me it, it kind of like it was like I put everything in was like I'm going to live a life that actually makes me stoked every day and live abnormally um you know like I mean you guys like okay Pete you, you're you're in Ireland <laughs> I'm keeping the fort yeah. <laughs> I don't know what load shedding is. Sorry. <laughs> well, but like guiding people through the mountains. I mean, that's like, I mean, could you imagine growing up and you said like, that's what like people, I mean, I don't know if this happened to you guys, but when people were like, yo, dude, you got to be a doctor. It's, you don't, you know, like if I, I think about like the lifestyles that some of my friends have in my, my career. And I'm like, but they live, they have so much more time. It's kind of weird actually. Like they just live a better life. I mean, every industry has its pros and cons, but yeah. So that's how I ended up. Yeah. I hope I answered the question. No, I was just going to say like, and if for any, any, anyone that considers like a bit of a jump into like photography or videography, like your lessons learned, if you have like a top one or two lessons learned and advice for someone that would be looking into making that shift in their life towards photography, what, what, takeaways can you give them one shoot everything to find the things that you don't like doing um and two there's no harm or shame in having a full-time job and shooting photos on the side i have a few friends that do it but when you'll know when that click happens um 
Like, it, I don't know how to explain it. Like, a switch will just happen where you start being frustrated creatively, and that's the time when you need to go full time. Um, I think too many people hesitate because they don't think they're going to make a career of it. Um, but being that said, I also don't think there's at least 90% of photographers and filmmakers out there that should not be working for themselves. They, they, it's, it's, this is a very tough industry and it demands a lot of energy all the time because you, it's, it's not what you know, it's not how good you are. It is very much who you know. Um, and it takes a lot more energy to build networks than it does to build your portfolio creative. Like, yes, you can be really good and that does help, but it's, how can I say, everyone with an iPhone or, or these new Samsungs has a camera. You're competing with them because the, the reality is like the more you look at higher end stuff, I mean, I was even looking today, like I was looking for some references for, for some work and inspo and I mean all these top like commercials like nowadays all grainy like same with commercial photos they're like if it doesn't look like it was shot poorly like do you even photograph like what you know it's 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 it's, the, it's bizarre um so you know it's yeah I think it's just it's it's before you jump take a hard look at yourself and go can I work for myself and can I, can I do this? If you're already self-employed and you're doing well, then yeah, you're fine. You'll be okay. But if you're like kind of, if you're, if you're hopping between the two, like, should I work? Should I jump? Like, no, uh, uh, rather just stay at your job. And once it gets to the point that you're like, dude, I'm so frustrated. I just, just need to create, I just need to tear things up. Then they make the jump. It's, it's quite interesting going that way because look, both myself and Nicolette, we weren't like mountain guides, actually. Like we never planned to be any of that. Um, Nicolette's a vet and I'm a pilot. So um, I got really, really frustrated in my pilot job because it's not creative. It's, I've, to be honest, I was severely bored and frustrated. And then luckily with COVID, like I got retrenched. So it was kind of like, cool, now you're forced to make this move that you've always wanted to make. Um, because you always tell yourself it's not time yet. It's, I don't, I'm not set up properly yet. And then when all of this happened, it's like, cool. Okay. Now, you know, you're in the corner now, you know, make it work. And so we got to a point eventually where Nicolette could decide, well, okay, now we're going full time, you know, coaching and stuff, because I also believe in, you know, we only have a finite amount of energy and we need to choose where we are sending that energy. And, uh, if you're sending 80% of it to a job, you don't like. You're also not going to set up your your side side hustle that everyone calls it nowadays. But it's like you also can't just go, cool, I hate my job. I'm going to start something else because is it really realistic? So I guess that's where you tie in there. Like, can you manage yourself? Can you manage a business or whatever? So it took quite a while. But once you do it, it's 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 so satisfying. Like, it's really and how much you learn through that process, talking to people. Like, I can't imagine I'm having this conversation with you now where, you know, when I was a pilot, I had my three or four flights a week and I couldn't be bothered to really, you know, why should I talk to other people really? And, you know, it's no one outside of my circle was kind of like, you know, that because why should I do anything extra? Yet I was frustrated because I didn't do anything extra. So no, I, I love the way you put that there. And I think if we can learn to listen to ourselves a bit more and when you know it, when you'll, yeah, when it's, it's right, it's right. And then just make that move. So no, it's really... Uh, thanks for that, man. I really appreciate that.
It's, it's funny that you say it, say that about being a pilot. So I had a, a, a guy that, so they started a nutritional company, but he was a, because oh, were you a fixed wing pilot? Yeah. So fixed wing, I did instruction for a while. And then I basically, my last plane I flew was like a 35 seater twin jet, like airline thing. So very similar to like an Airbus. So it's very, uh, you program the computer and it goes to where you tell it to go. Funny that you say that. Cause so this guy, he was doing his masters on depression on pilots because it's so systematic and computer driven now that you just, you kind of get in the air and there you go. And that's it. And like you, you take, because you're so process, like process driven, it tends to kind of drive you a little bit nutty. Yeah. And also I do have a bit of a like obsessive personality. So, you know, because we don't fly roughly East, you know, you fly 090 or 091, you fly to the degree and that stuff just became like, but out of because I got so precise in everything I did and it's a very unnatural way of living, I think, but yeah, anyway, um, look, put me in a plane for, I guess, in the bush or stuff, I probably would have done that. But then, you know, unfortunately, if you want to make a proper living out of it, you need to be going into the airline side of stuff. And luckily, yeah, all of this happened. So, you know, out of it. And I also like burned seven tons of fuel a day. And I was like, well, I'm not adding value to anyone's life. So what am I doing with this? You know? So it's that next thing is like, you know, the photos I scrolled through your, your, your Instagram and everything. And yeah, you, you make it, you know, you poke a bit of fun here and there in your reels, but you've got the beautiful contrast between like a bit of comedy and like really, really nice stills. And I gained value from just looking through your um, Instagram feed. So it's just nice to work with people that give their time and energy to enrich in someone else's life. And once you've found that, I think you can start working towards a happy life. I think that's, so it's, yeah, well, I, have, I have two things, but I'll say this and then I'll ask you your, your question. But um, it, so I, I heard this quote while, quite a while ago, but it was, leave leave a person better than you did when you arrived and it's something that drives me in my career in in my everyday um in most of my interactions because it is that like i mean i can hear you guys i know all of i, I know peter does and I, and I can hear you guys do as well like it's just you only do you only have so much energy in a day but if your career can inspire someone or just leave them just that little bit more oops than what they did like that's for me the biggest like instagram was a documentation of the journey but what i found in that was people were like i, I used to do this thing where i would say really fast good bright and beautiful day like you know good bright and beautiful morning everybody it's a fantastic day today today's monday the day before tuesday and you still have five more days to make something happen and the, the messages that i used to get with that was like i don't know it's, it's insane to see how even if you're making fun of something like it just made someone happy and if you just make someone smile, like let's get stoked. But I have a question. I have a, I have a question for you. Do you find that you're, so being a pilot, you were like, but the dancing was like, you know, 91 degrees in a way. Do you think it's not that like you were obsessive about it in the air, but maybe it's that you were in kind of like the wrong profession because with what you're doing now, I mean, you're the guy I would want especially if you're taking me in the mountains, because yes, you'll have very little, but it's because you know to the degree of how little you can take. That makes sense. 
Yeah, I guess that is the one thing I really miss from flying is the risk assessment and the threat and error management. That was the that was one thing that I obsessed over. It's really, I love identifying risks and then mitigating it, knowing you would never be able to cancel all risks, but you want to mitigate it down to a degree that you are happy to carry on. And that is why I love adventure, because for me, adventure is, you know, if there is no risk or risk of failure, then there is no adventure. Um, if you're certain of your outcome, then, well, what's the point on trying? So that's what me and Nicolette do. Like every time we go out and we do fail a lot at some of the stuff we do and we come back, we have a little book and we write what worked and what didn't work. <laughs> Let's not repeat those mistakes again. <laughs> and uh, no, so that kind of stuff, it does add. And like same with Nicolette being very clinical, very scientific from her veterinary background. Um, you know, I can sometimes go off on my philosophical tangents and I overthink things too much and that's why I love moving with her in the Berg and also guiding. We guide together a lot because I think that's a very complimentary kind of kind of relationship, I guess. So no, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, using, you know, we've all lived different lives. Like I'm sure you still use stuff from your consulting and um, construction side of things in your daily life. And you're new, you can't like just cancel that out and now start something new. So I think use what you've experienced in life before to the, you know, positive or to the benefit of what you are trying to do now so don't just go like ah oh, pilot boring i'm canceling all of that out it's like no like what did you learn there that you can use now so yeah man and uh peter you look very keen to 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 say something there so sorry for rudely interrupting that that discussion but i'm very curious to know about uh, these fpv drones and you know if you use drones in your um you know your everyday photography and how you, do you think you know what the future looks like in terms of of that dynamic that you're adding to um to your offering because the legalities around it like yeah it's it's such a it's such a t okay living in footsprite it's one of the hardest places to fly a drone because it will it will get shot down um i mean there are within the currently where i stand right now 10 kilometers to my east is not even 10 it's less anyways under 10 within a 10 kilometer radius there are about there's one air force base and probably at least 10 that i can think of airstrips so it's just it's it's i've almost hit planes i've been flagged by the air force it's not fun um and i've also had some very interesting encounters on shoots with drones and flying objects that legally have put almost put us in very awkward positions um and i've just had too many friends who have been fined at the moment um so yeah i i don't i i can fly and I, I i love flying them and they add an amazing dynamic especially fpv oh my gosh just it's it's just <laughs> it's it's everything a child could dream of like come on guys like just it's just the only way i can explain it is like and like it's just it's crazy but um i think i think because they are getting so aircrafty um I think the laws are only going to get more severe and people are going to start getting shut down. 
That's my two cents. It's yeah, very the rules are <laughs> well. The rules are completely different here in EU. So um, yeah, Nicolette, you go for it. <laughs> just a quick one, Alex. Um, from a, just out of interest, how does wildlife generally respond to a drone? Are they? I assume they you know, like they notice it um, from the the sound. They can obviously pick that up. Um, does it scare them, or is it much less intrusive than you know, say, a helicopter? I'd say it's more intrusive. Uh, the sound just freaks them out. The, the sound, its presence. Um, there was a video posted a couple months ago about some FPV dude who flew, I think he was in a reserve in the Eastern Cape, um, and he flew with some giraffe, and the giraffe were running. And the thing is, like, with that, it, it, it's so dangerous because if that giraffe trips at, at full full send, it, it's going to break its neck or it's going to get injured and potentially not survive that. Um, but they, the animals, it freaks them out properly. So I, I don't like flying drones with wildlife personally because I just minimal impact. You know, like I need to be part of the environment. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have, but I've tried to do it as, I say, um, yeah, just as 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 unimpactful as possible. What would the word be? Nicolette, you sound you definitely are smarter than I am. You know, what would the word be? <laughs> I, I guess unobtrusive. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> like just it. It just it must. We must, my presence must not be known by the animal, and if it is, it mustn't be. It, it mustn't cause them to stress. Yeah, no, I agree with that one hundred percent. Um, and I think, you know, for that reason, it's it's better not to have drones allowed in. Um, wilderness areas and the same thing when we run and at, unfortunately at four peaks this past weekend you know everyone has their piece of land and they put up a big fence and these days it's not the old you know three strands that it used to be it's like a proper game fence and then a bunch of runners come along and inevitably there's a herd of in this case it was hemp's book and a little one that didn't end up with the going with the rest of the herd and it stresses them out and it's it's horrible to see. And there, my opinion is, well, we shouldn't be running here or the fence shouldn't be there because, you know, it's not fair. It's, we're in their environment and, yeah, do we, we owe them that, that privilege of, you know, just being relaxed and happy and safe where they should be. I, I, com I completely agree. Like, you know, I, I, I agree with it. Like, I know, look, fences are up. Those things are there, but I think it's just people do need to become more mindful of, like, the fact is, we as a species, the only reason we survived is because we adapted nature to ourselves. We didn't adapt to nature, you know? Like, they still run on, I mean, you'll know this is best. Like, they still run on very specific instincts and stress levels and things like that. So, yeah, I, I, it, it upsets me, and it, it sucks because I do have to do it for work sometimes, but try uh, I agree with you like even animals should be respected you know like again because also Facebook is they can hurt you if they really wanted to you know but like you gotta, you gotta just give them their space and mm. let them know you're not a predator and uh like uh Alex and I we we're basically reaching the end of this podcast now but um Firstly, I always wanted to know in terms of inspirational, there's, there's a little bit of a similarity between yourself and Peter McKinnon. I don't know if you've, if you've seen his YouTube videos. 
if the, is there anyone that specifically inspires you in the photography or videography scene and um sure um at the moment there's a there's a, a music video director um i'm trying to remember his his name I, i'm terrible with remembering guys names but like i, I binge commercials on vimeo um but what's it's something wolf um lone so he shoots a lot of music videos. His stuff is just, it's so good. Um, there's a, there's a few other directors. Um, their names are slipping my mind now. Um, but they shoot like, oh, they're just, they're just, it's just incredible and progressive. Like, I just love the fact that I, I think, I think it's just the, the industry in general inspires me, like the overseas industry. How guys are using different frame, like frame sizing, like they're reverting. So like our phone, like most people see things in like that horizontal 16 by nine or vertical. Um, but guys are like shooting in crazy different like aspect ratios and using film and using creative techniques that just, I don't know how to explain it without getting technical, but it's just, I just get inspired by all of that. I, I get inspired by like the dude who just picked up his camera to be very honest with you. Cause like, I'm just stoked, stoked for like him or her. Who's like, like, oh, you know, like, you know, Nicolette like, taking macro of like orchids, like stop it, like that's amazing, like that gets me so stoked. Like I see that, and it just it just gets me so so revved. Not only because you're you're running with like this huge lens that weighs six kgs and uh, makes you even more of an athlete than everybody else, but <laughs> it's just yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's such a hard question because so much inspires me, um, and I think. The more you progress in the industry, the more you realize like it's it's not like like yeah, Peter McKinnon's good, and I mean he's he's done very well for himself. But I don't know, like I could see a cup of coffee that inspires me. I it's, it's weird, like someone could stand in a a, a dap of light, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, mind blown. That is that's so cool because it's also I think as a society we can very easily just get stuck on idolizing people or idolizing something or an idea or you know compartmentalizing everything and i think that's also just a coping mechanism to be honest but um it is nice when you know i like the way you put it there it's like you know if your creativeness is going like anything inspires you and it's your open-mindedness to be able to grab onto that inspiration that probably puts you apart from others where I guess if you do just get inspiration from, say, like, if I just got inspiration from Killian, am I not going to be trying to be like Killian, you know? And I might never be able to achieve that. So I think it's it's amazing to get inspiration from others, but also to be able to inspire yourself. I think to respect and love yourself enough to be able to inspire yourself. And uh, that, that'll be a, a lesson that I take home here from, from your words here. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't want to i don't want to take up all the time but I, I like it's so it's interesting because it's this thing of like i said it earlier but like everyone can take a photo nowadays your competition is everyone and i, I love how you put it there where it's like you're not compartmentalizing it and it's it's true because at the end of the day people don't hire you for the fact that you can push a button they're hiring you for your eye and your creativity and that's what you charge for because no one else has your creativity your eye 
um, like, like when you see this like crazy thing that inspires you and it's inspired no one else, you know, like how do you, how do you put a price tag to that? You can't. Um, and it's, it set, does separate you. It's, I'm a big advocate for that. Like you need to find something that does, it does separate you. I mean, I don't, I don't shoot with fancy lenses anymore. I buy them. My favorite lens at the moment is a lens that I paid 50 Rand for. Like, you know, like people are like, look at like what you shoot, like professional work with that. And you're like, well, most professional work is shot on vintage lenses because it's got character. Again, it's a unique, it's a unique thing that like is, is to me. So like I, I found the super cheap. So, so, not, sorry, so, so, so Kurt, sorry. I want to take from this, but Kirsta, she, she has this like ma magnifier macro thing that you adapt to. That's like from like, I don't even know when it's from. I, I didn't even know they existed, but you put it on like your lens and it's, it's crazy cool. Like it just does. Oh man, it gets me so excited. Cause it's like, it makes the shot look so like creamy and like you could get super close. And yet it costs, I actually costed it today. It costs 400 Rand. It can fit on most lenses. And now I ha and it makes your lens. So if you shoot, an APS-C, it makes your lens the same size as a full frame, so or your your sensor size. So, like, there's, I mean, technically, there's so many benefits to it, but like, it's just, you know, like, it's just cool. It's unique. No <laughs> one's gonna have that shot. I can tell you that right now. But like, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's I, I probably shouldn't risk using it on commercial, on like actual paid gigs, but I do. I hope no clients listen to this. <laughs> 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 So, so just on that, on that note, Alex, like a, a lot of times I kind of check, you know, a photographer's page and they have a theme or a style, I suppose you call it, where I'm not sure if it's just, you know, it could be the way they shoot or perhaps some editing afterwards where they have kind of a certain, you know, coloration or whatever it is, like, I don't know the technical terms, um, but you know, how important is it to like try to find your own style or is that something that just, you know, develops naturally the more you shoot and how much is it, you know, in the actual shooting and how much is the editing part of it? Yeah. Just something about that. So for stills, like for photos specifically, um, it's a little bit in the shooting, but you're shooting raw. So post-production, uh, you can do anything in post-production, but it's I like, like what, you said, what you guys said earlier with like not compartmentalizing, like the moment you stop taking like just inspiration from Peter McKinnon, for example, I'm just using that as an example, but you'll, you'll like people tend to copy the person that they're inspired by. So when you start like coming into your own and start like coloring your images that looks good for you. Um, there's, there's a photographer that I, I do follow called Aaron Brimhall. Um, and what I appreciate about his stuff is it's, it's, it's bizarre. Like coloring wise, it's not what you would expect to see. Like he'll desaturate colors and things, but the reality of it is it's, it's his. It's, it's unique and it's, it's what makes him happy. And I think that's the biggest thing when people go into post-production is make what's, do something that makes you happy. Like if you look at it and you go, oh man, that's a flipper nice photo. And then you wake up the next morning, you go, man, that is a nice photo. Then, you know, you, 
you're, you're good. Eventually, you are going to get to the point where you look at it and you go, all my photos are terrible. I hate my I, I don't. I'm not good. What is going on? And then you look at it six months later and you go, yes, damn, hey, that was that was my photo six months ago. Touch the oh, that was hot. But <laughs> um, yeah. So for for video though, definitely how you shoot dictates way more. I mean, okay, video is a different ball game, but. I mean, your lens, so with video, like your, the type of lens that you use will dictate your shot more than even the camera that you use. So like it's, yeah, but the photo is like, just make what's good for you. And if you look at it and you're like, I don't like it, then just, uh, it's like an engineering thing, but this, I, I heard it once, a term called PDCA, plan, do, check and assess. I just look at it and like, okay, well, what don't I like photographers that you that you go oh i really like their work but they must be in different niches and combine the niches and try and imitate that and you'll start it's like it's just a quick way to find, like jump start yourself to finding your own style because you'll realize within those three people you'll be like oh like for me personally i love shooting like give me a 13 millimeter f 1.4 i am i'm happy like I'm the happiest because it gives like like shallow depth of field, but this weird perspective that makes a person feel like they're they're in the environment, you know, and it can shoot macro. So, you know, if there's a pretty like wildflower, you can get in there. And it also looks cool because you like you're close but you're wide. It's cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's fantastic advice. Thanks so much, yeah. Alex. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um and also ties into what we said previously, like you are your own inspiration. So yeah, follow your own your own eye, your own instincts, and I suppose eventually you, you come out with your, your own end product. Mm. Yeah. Well Alex, yeah, it was a it was a great catching up. Like it's been quite inspiring chat that we had today and I think there's a lot of takeaways and I think what I really liked about our chat today is that you know it's been a common theme that it it's not just about you know getting off this podcast or finishing listening this podcast and now suddenly you're going to buy the most because one of the questions I had was the gear that you're going to use but I think actually given the theme of today's uh, chat I'm actually not going to ask that question and um, you know let everyone inspire themselves to use what they have and actually just like nurture that creativity because um, you know like it's it's like you say that's the one thing you can't really buy so so yeah um Pierre Nicolette, is there anything from your end that uh, you'd like to ask or final questions or thoughts look i think uh we're good because if you give me more free reign yeah i'll probably keep alex here for the night and we'll just be talking <laughs> a lot of uh <laughs> going off on different tangents and different rabbit holes um no we thoroughly enjoyed it uh chatting to you um it's yeah it's been inspirational and it's nice to chat to people that inspire you so thanks for that alex like i'll i'll leave it there and um just thanks for coming on the podcast really like it's it's been a pleasure talking to you and I hope we can uh, we can meet up at some point. So, yeah. On that note, cheers. Well, I'm just saying I'm going to be in a AZN in the between the fourth and the seventh, close to Drakensberg. So I might have to make a stop. We'll we'll get your number. Alright guys, but if you not keep everyone, I know you probably have someone.